We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Thank you, Sheila. Good morning, everyone. It's Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, it's Black History Month, and this Black History Month, uh, this morning we have a few African-American uh, black tradition pieces in our, in our worship this morning, in our liturgy, and we welcome you here today. Glad you're here this morning with us. Um, Transfiguration is somewhat mysterious, as Pastor Jim will explain everything for you. By the end of the service, you'll be an expert. But for right now, we have a song to sing for you. Um, Behold, I make all things new. I'm going to invite the choir to join me on this prelude piece, and we will welcome you to worship. Welcome to Transfiguration Sunday. Behold, behold, I make all things new. My Behold, behold, I make all things new, beginning with you and starting from today. Behold, behold, I make all things new, my promise is true, for I am Christ the way. Behold, behold, I make all things new, beginning with you and starting from today. Behold, behold, I make all things new, my promise is true, for I am Christ the way. Thank you for that call to worship. Thank you, uh, Sheila. Thank you, Ron. Uh, good to be together this morning. Amen? Amen. And we're not alone. We have people online. We welcome all those people who are online. Uh, from uh, Fred and Bonnie in Illinois to Dave and Louise in Costa Rica to Don and Jan Allen, who are right up in Green Bank. People are joining us online from across the country. It's good to be together. Thank you for coming out. Team Spirit Day today. No, I don't have a jersey, but Mike Johnson brought this in for me. Uh, he said, here, I've got extras, wear this one today, so thank you for the team spirit, it is, it is Super Bowl Sunday, Pamela, we're praying for you this Sunday, not, there you are, there's two of you together for the 49ers up front, um, the order of service is printed before you in the bulletin, everything will be projected for you uh, as well, and as we enter into the mystery of the transfiguration, our uh, gathering him is shine, Jesus shine, that will take us to that mountaintop. If it's comfortable for you, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shine, Jesus shine.
hymn leads us to our first shared prayer of the morning. It's called the Curie. Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on us. Hymn of praise, Lord, I lift your name on high. God of mystery, God of majesty, God of awe, 
God of, God of mountaintops and trenches, hear our prayers, receive our praises, guide our steps, and bless us with eyes to see your wonder and the courage to do your will. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson is from Exodus 24, 12 to 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, wait here for us until we come to you again. For Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Beautiful. Thank you to the choir. Uh, not only are we blessed by your music, but we sound a lot better singing hymns when you're with us. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for me anyway, I'll say that much. But thank you. They've been here since early, most of them heading out at this time. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. Really appreciate you coming out on this uh, Sunday, this Transfiguration Sunday. We're going to be diving into our, our text and really trying to understand what God has uh, to teach us uh, today. And our text this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And the story recorded there is called the Transfiguration or the Transfiguration of our Lord. And I should tell you that this Transfiguration account is retold each and every year. And that means it's in rare company. It's like Christmas or Easter. It is central somehow to how we understand our life and our faith. Now, the transfiguration closes the curtain on the season of Epiphany, and it leads us towards Ash Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, which will take us on a Lenten journey to Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter. Now, the transfiguration is... Um, set in the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter, but I really need to set the stage for you because this is a really mysterious story, and on its own, it's hard to understand. Without the context, it's nearly impossible to understand. So let me give you the context to begin with. Jesus is at the very end of his ministry. The disciples had put their lives on hold for three years. Simple fishermen, mostly, they had bet their lives on Jesus. They had seen miracles and been amazed at his teachings. He was attracting large crowds. He was attracting a lot of attention. And the disciples, they believed. They wanted to believe that he was the promised one, the long-awaited Messiah. In their minds, in the minds of the Jewish peasants, and in the minds of the well-heeled religious leaders, the Messiah would be a revolutionary figure ordained by God to set God's chosen people free. They believed he was the Messiah. And they believed that this revolution would begin soon and it would drive the Romans from Palestine and it would end the suffocating oppression that they had experienced. For three years, they had followed Jesus. They had studied his every move. They waited for him to make his move. But now it seemed that they were headed in the wrong direction. They were not headed south to Jerusalem. They were headed north from the Galilee. They followed Jesus on a very long walk from the Sea of Galilee to Caesarea Philippi, which is right up on the Lebanon Israel border today. Now I might ask you, do you remember the last time that you set out and walked 40 miles? Well, that's what they did. Tired and somewhat bewildered, they arrived at this rather spectacular Roman city, a city built to honor Caesar, but also Herod's son Philip, therefore the name Caesarea Philippi. Now this was just the type of place that good Jews were taught to avoid. It was a place of pagan worship and debauchery. Jesus led the disciples now down the cardo, the heart of the city. 
They walked awestruck by merchants selling their wares and Roman soldiers enjoying furlough. And finally, they stood below the temple of Pan, built into the side of a cliff. The headwaters of the Jordan gushed forth from the surrounding mountains. Worshippers came to offer their sacrifices at the temple dedicated to the cult of the dancing goats. Pan, a mythical figure, half goat and half man. It was here, in this particular spot, that Jesus had a word with his disciples. Jesus promised the disciples that there was nothing in this world, nothing in this world that could stop the movement of God, not Rome, not the power of the empire, not pagan worship, not even the gates of hell, Jesus said, would be able to prevail against this movement. Jesus encouraged the disciples to have faith, to be brave, to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth. And with that, Peter spoke up. He confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised one. And Peter was then praised by Jesus for his faithfulness. Jesus said, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And then they moved on. Leaving the pagan city behind, they began what would be a final journey to the holy city of Jerusalem. Along the way, the shadow of the cross was before them, but it seems that only Jesus could see it. And so Jesus pulled them in, and he predicted his death, an imminent death. The disciples could not understand. They did not understand this prophecy. Remember what we just talked about. Their idea of the Messiah did not include the Messiah's suffering. It certainly didn't include the Messiah's, <clears throat> the Messiah's death. Most of them just stayed quiet. Perhaps Jesus was speaking in riddles again. But Peter would have none of it. He spoke up. He rebuked Jesus. He simply could not imagine Jesus being taken from them. Speaking up, the one who had been praised for his faithfulness, was now being dressed down as Jesus famously rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Now the days ahead would be dark, painful, disappointing. The cross was waiting. The disciples would soon be lost and alone. They walked on, following Jesus. Six days later, the followers of Jesus were passing by Mount Tabor in the region of the Galilee. Not far from the childhood home of Jesus... Jesus took with him James, John, and Peter. It was the inner circle, the executive committee, we might say, of the disciples. And even though Peter had just been rebuked, get behind me, Satan, he still was included. As the four of them hiked and climbed and hiked and climbed up Mount Tabor, they were high on the mountain by themselves. Now, mountains stretch toward the sky, don't they? From the dawn of human history, mountains have always had a very special place. They are majestic, and they are mysterious, and they are shrouded often in otherworldly clouds. And they're peaks, sometimes visible, other times invisible. Mountains appear to be a little closer to heaven, closer to God, and from generation to generation, the Jewish people recalled stories that were set in the mountains. You just heard Marie read this lesson about Moses on Mount Sinai. And there was Noah on Mount Ararat, 
and the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. Mountains have had a special place in the lives, history, and folklore of the people of Israel. So there they were, high in a mountain by themselves, when seemingly without warning, Jesus was transfigured before them. Shine, Jesus, shine. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. He was transfigured. He was transformed. Mysteriously, his appearance changed. Now, a few weeks ago, if you've been with us the last few weeks, in a sermon that I had, I I really encouraged you to be skeptics. I encouraged skepticism. And I'm guessing, as you are hearing this story, that many of you might be a little skeptical, thinking at this point that this story is some kind of myth, nothing more than a fable or fairy tale. It certainly runs against the laws of science, does it not? Things do not just change their form, do they? This seems entirely unscientific. Could thinking people really believe such a thing? I don't know. Let's look at this. Now, I can't explain that to you, but I believe with all my heart what you just saw there, this miraculous metamorphosis, would be impossible without God. That would be impossible without intelligent design and an intelligent creator. Are you still skeptical about the story that we just heard? Well, if you do, I have a video about a tadpole becoming a frog. You want to see that one? No. You see, these transfigurations, they happen in nature. Now, they're rare, to be sure, but they've always been a part of God's created order. And on the mountaintop, Jesus was somehow mysteriously transfigured, and then he was joined by a couple of time travelers. There appeared with him Moses, the prince of Egypt, the savior of the enslaved Hebrew nation, the giver of the Ten Commandments, who met God on holy ground on Mount Sinai. And he was met there by Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet, who did battle with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah, the prophet that was last seen on a chariot of fire, heading off into heaven. In a miracle that defies explanation, the law and prophets of Israel were now bearing witness to the rabbi from the Galilee. James, John, and Peter, they were there. James and John were dumbstruck. 
wide-eyed. They couldn't find any words to say. Yeah, but Peter does not do quiet very well. Sometimes quiet is the appropriate response, you know. As Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Peter, bold, brash, brave, and impulsive, could not remain silent. He said, Lord, over here, it's good that we are here with you. We can build three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and those tourists from Whidbey will pay a lot of money to come up here and see this. Peter had not even finished speaking when a bright cloud overshadowed them, and then there was a voice, a booming voice from heaven that said, this is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased. Now stop there for a moment. Do you remember how Epiphany began? Epiphany arrived with the new year on January 7th, 2024, and it began with the baptism of Jesus. And in baptism, this never going to amount to anything young man from Nazareth was, might we say, transformed into a rabbi, a teacher, a miracle worker, the Messiah. And in that baptism, the heavens rumbled with the very same words. This is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased. Three years had now passed since Jesus was baptized. Three years later, as Jesus is about to face his death on a cross, the heavens again rumbled, proclaiming, This is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased. Word for word, exactly the same as at the baptism. But this time, since Peter was there, babbling, the voice from heaven added three more words. Listen to him. Say it back to me. Listen to him, Peter. You don't need to speak. You don't need to understand what's happening. You don't need to do anything. Just listen to him. Three little words to remind Peter and us that our creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, engineered the human body. And when God engineered the human body with intention, what did God do? He gave us humans two ears, one mouth for a reason. Remember that the next time you're arguing with a coworker or trying to have a conversation with your spouse. Two ears, one mouth. If your ears are open, you may actually learn something. A new perspective, a new way of thinking, but rarely does one learn anything from hearing themselves talk. Two ears, one mouth. Peter, be quiet. Listen to him. With that, James and John and Peter fell down into the dust of ground. They were overcome with fear. They were lying there in the dusk like dead men. And then as quickly as it had all come about, it was over. The world goes back to what it was. No blinding light, no mysterious cloud, no Cecil B. DeMille voice rumbling from heaven, no transfiguration. That's a story. Do you have it in your mind? Can you see it? Now, it's all silent. There they are. This sets the stage now for one of the most beautiful, tender, gospel-filled moments in the Jesus story. What happened? Jesus got down in the dust. Jesus got down in the dust. He touched his terrified friends saying, get up and do not be afraid. Jesus, who was headed for a cross, 
got down in the dust. He touched them saying, be raised, be raised from the dead, be raised from the dust, do not be afraid. And when the disciples garnered their courage to open their eyes, the text says they saw no one. They saw no one except Jesus. And with that in silence, they came down from the mountaintop. They gathered up the other disciples and they headed off to the same place that we're going, to a Palm Sunday parade. They walked together to the valley of shadow of death, to the valley of human despair, disappointment, betrayal, and grief. Yes, that was behind them, but that was also before them at the same time. You see, with every mountaintop experience, and many of us have probably had some kind of a mountaintop experience in our lives, a moment that transcends this world, even in the midst of a personal or heavenly epiphany, the world goes back to what it was. Our problems do not just disappear. Christianity is not an escape from this world. It is an invitation to engage more fully in this world, in our lives. The truth, my friends, is this. We live right here. And this day is all we have, this gift, this life, this journey. Epiphanies may encourage and inspire us, but in the end, there's no escaping our humanity, our frailty, our insecurity, our tendency to speak when we should listen. The disciples had experienced the supernatural, and then they fell down in the dirt, trembling flesh and blood like us. They were dust, and to dust, they too would return. Okay, this text comes up every year, so what are we going to do with it? How are we going to boil this down and take something out the door with us today? Well, we could talk about Peter. We have a little bit. Bold, brash, hero of the faith, praised by Jesus, also rebuked by Jesus, silenced by a voice from heaven. And what we see in Peter is he's, he's one of us. He's like us. And in fact, if you looked at all the heroes of the Bible, what you're going to find is they're just real people, not superheroes. And we'll save that for another time. So what? We could state the obvious, that there are some things that are beyond our understanding. There are mysteries beyond our knowing or even our capacity for comprehension. We experience those mysteries at thin places in our life, places where the separation between this world and the next draw very close. Mountaintops, maybe. Death experiences, for sure. Birthing experiences often bring us into contact with the supernatural. But on this transfiguration, I want to conclude with the main point of this ancient lesson, and that is listen to Jesus. Two ears, one mouth, listen to Jesus. You see, Jesus is our lens, the lens through which we see all things in the world. It is clear in this text that Jesus is the lens through which we must interpret the law of the Old Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament. We cannot understand the law without Jesus. We cannot understand the call of the prophets without Jesus. So listen to Jesus. Jesus is the lens which offers us a path to a more abundant life, to healthier communities, and to our community engagement. Listen to Jesus. Jesus is, after all, 
the most complete revelation of God that we have. The life and the teachings of Jesus then should inform every aspect of our lives. Our values should grow out of his teachings. Our life choices should be directed by his teachings. And our voting, the values and ethics of Jesus should inform us every time we go out to vote. Listen to Jesus who said, love the Lord your God. Put yourself in the path of the gospel. Listen to Jesus by loving your neighbor. And he told us, they're all your neighbor. Listen to Jesus by learning to love yourself, by letting go of guilt and shame, by letting go of regret, by letting the voices of your ex-spouses be banished and not carrying the hurtful words spoken by parents with you like a millstone. Listen to Jesus. When the transfiguration concluded, when the world returned to what it was, the disciples only saw Jesus. And then they walked together toward the valley of the shadow of death. My friends, we will all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Is that a terrifying thought? It might be if we had to make that journey alone, but we don't. So please know that when you are trembling in fear in the dust and rubble of a broken life, that Jesus is mysteriously but most certainly there in the dust with you, gently touching you and me and calling us forward to new life and ultimately to eternal life. Listen to Jesus. It's the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Carl's going to sing for us.
Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. When I come to die, when I come to die, when I come to die, oh, give me, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. have all this world you can have all this world you can have all this world but give me give me If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand as we lift our hearts to God in prayer. Marie is going to lead us in the prayers. We have a song prayer response. We'll sing that once, oh Lord, hear my prayer. We'll sing that now, and then each petition will lead us back to that song response. Let us pray. As we celebrate Christ embodied in human form, we pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and all creation. We pray first for the church that the transformational power of God's grace enters and guides the hearts of all people. May its leaders and lay people alike be moved to make the difficult choice of leaving old destructive ways in order that we might move towards your way of unconditional love and healing. God, hear us as we sing. Lord, hear my
this marvelous creation breathes with us and for us. Open our eyes and let us walk as children of the light, using our power and knowledge wisely. Let us make decisions about the earth while looking seven generations ahead, knowing we must turn toward your way of wholeness and the cherishing of all creation. God, hear us as we sing. Oh Lord, hear my prayer, oh Lord, hear my prayer, when I call. In the world you have entrusted to us, bring leaders and all people to an understanding of mutuality and common good. We know your love for all people and that no group is more deserving of life, love, and security than another. Please bring peace to Palestine and a renewed awareness of our connection to one another. May political leaders repent and realize transformation is necessary and that we cannot solve a problem with the mindset that created it. You are our hope. Be our guide. God, hear us as we sing. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. for all who are sick or shut in this week. May they know healing and rebirth. Also, we lift up the grieving family of Olivia Batchelor following the untimely death of her husband, Garth, this past week. Surround them, Lord, with your love and the love and strength of this local community. In time, May their tears be turned into dancing and sadness into treasured and joyful memories of a loving brother, husband, and father. God, hear us as we sing. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord, hear my intercedes for us to make a way out of no way. Hear all of our prayers, spoken and unspoken this day. We entrust them to you. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Thank you all for uh, sharing in that, uh, that greeting of the peace. Um, 
appreciate that, and thank you all who um, are wearing the colors of different teams today. And Jenny, what did Gonzaga win last night, or what happened? You look. <laughs> you look. You look. Stand up. Show everybody. You look so very festive. I guess their basketball team won last night. Be Kentucky, huh? In Kentucky. In Kentucky, that's a big win. So, who's going to win today, Jenny? <laughs> Pamela says the Niners. Anyway, thank you for wearing the colors after the service. We'll do a quick photo op. Those who uh, have uniforms or want to be in a picture, come up and we'll gather on the chancel here for a quick uh, uh, picture to remember what we look like this day. Now, busy week coming up uh, as we move, uh, as you just heard, from Epiphany uh, towards uh, Lent. And that starts this uh, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and we have services at noon and 6 o'clock. Noon and 6 o'clock. Uh, the services last about 35 minutes. Uh, an opportunity to come forward, be together, make this transition into Lent, receive ashes on your forehead, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Noon and uh, 6 o'clock on uh, Wednesday. Also, uh, did not make it in the bulletin, but we have a men's breakfast next Saturday morning, 8 a.m., so in the gym, uh, men, for breakfast next Saturday at 8 a.m., we'll try to get that out and remind you as well. You heard uh, from Maria in that last petition of the prayers, uh, that a very untimely death this week. Uh, teacher Olivia in the red there, the mother uh, bear of the group, um, she is Agnes Morgan's granddaughter. You remember Agnes Morgan? Uh, she's been a teacher in our preschool for years and years, and her husband Garth uh, went on 52 years old, I went off to work on Tuesday morning and had a heart attack and never came back. So a terrible tragedy in their family. We're going to be hosting that um, funeral service here a week from Saturday on the 24th at 1 o'clock here. If you want to sign up to bake cookies, uh, there's a sign up out in the narthex. And also people have asked me, is there a way that we can help? Uh, they do have a GoFundMe if you know how to do that. If you don't, you could make out a check to the church and just put Olivia in the memo and we'll give a gift then from the church to, to help them at this time of loss, a very tragic time. Um, I'm going to call on Lana, who's playing for the Mariners today, the way it looks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't need to stop. All right, I have just a couple of really quick announcements. I know he doesn't believe me. Okay, February. First of all, I'm going to say you guys did a great job signing up for um, really next week. David Campbell was going to have to roller skate around a little bit to usher angry. So, um, but he's he's thankful. I told him, you know, it's not good to be on roller skates, is it? Huh? Pokey pokey on roller skates. I broke my arm. Anyways, <laughs> side note. All right. Um, Pastor Jim talked about Ash Wednesday. If you are planning on attending the 6 p.m. Um, service, if you could talk to me, please, because I do need just a couple of ushers to help with a few things at that one. So that would be great. And the next one. Thursday luncheon at noon. Um, 
on the menu, we are having pork tenderloin. So if you could please make sure that you sign up out in the narthex so I have an idea of how many pounds of pork tenderloin to uh, purchase and cook. Um, asking that you wear red, because it's the day after Valentine's Day. And as a side dish, Carl kind of came up with this one, maybe you want to bring a side dish that has that food that you've decided to kind of cut back on during Lent, because then we could help you eat it all, and then it won't be in your house anymore. Okay, so um, anything is welcome, and I think that's it. morning. A lot of great things going on. A Sunday forum in the fireside room. We have a switch to the schedule. So next Sunday, uh, Joe Sheldon, who's a member here, will be speaking about creation care. So that's next Sunday at 930 in the, in the fireside room. Um, what else is coming up? Kindness book. There's a book um, called A Year of Living Kindly. And Barbara Benway and I are going to be leading a conversation about this on Friday mornings, starting March 1st. Uh, just a, a reminder of how we can live with other people in our society with love and kindness at the top of our minds. So um, there is a sign-up. If you'd like us to order a book for you, um, sign up there, and we will go ahead and get that ordered for you. Or you can find your own online through various resources. Uh, and then a few ladies from the Lift group came to me with an idea for a retreat. So we have scheduled a women's mini Lenten retreat for Saturday, March 16th. Uh, this is all about the Enneagram. So the Enneagram um, personality styles and how we all fit together uh, could be really interesting. So that's from 10 to 2 and will include a lunch. So there is a sign-up sheet for that on the table in the Narthex. Um, space is limited, so please do sign up so we can be sure to have food for everybody for that day. Uh, what else? Family fun night coming up this Thursday at 6 o'clock, just a game night. So we'll have dinner here together. Uh, bring your favorite board games to play or come play one here. Just a fun time to get out and be with other families. So this is people of all ages uh, this Thursday evening at 6. And uh, our elementary kids are getting ready to head to Camp Lutherwood for a retreat. We're going up uh, March 8th to 9th for a 24-hour retreat. So if you have a first through sixth grader that might be interested in that, come and see me. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Deacon Amy and Lana. And um, you know what? Usually you got to be a certain age to qualify, but Sandy Moon is turning 70 today. So I think we're going to sing happy birthday to Sandy. Sandy, <laughs> stand up. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Sandy, happy birthday to you. And as we uh, transition to the uh, end of the service, I'd invite you if it's comfortable to stand as we will be praying together uh, the Lord's Prayer, singing the Lord's Prayer together.
as you depart from this place of worship, go out those doors and find your own place of service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him, I want to walk as a child of the light.